Eve. Hello, hello. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Strong Tea. I'm Katie. I'm Vicky. And we are joined by another Katie today. Hello, Katie. Hi. Lovely to be here. Lovely to have you. I'm going to let Vicky do the wonderful introduction shortly, and we're trying not to let it get too confusing with two Katies. But before we get into that, If you haven't joined us before, Strong Tea is a podcast all about things that we believe that people should be talking about more. Um, Things that people, maybe us more than anyone probably, need educating on. Things that we want to ask questions about and some things that people tend to stick their head in the sand over that might be perceived to be difficult topics. So that's what we're all about. And what we do on every single podcast we do find out what we're drinking so katie guest katie what are you drinking today oh well actually today i've got green tea i sort of i like to mix it up a bit especially working from home (laughs) it'd be interesting to see if you can convince alviki to like green tea because she's got a real issue with green tea nope it it tastes (laughs) like grass i don't get it i don't get it I'm not I'm I'm not convinced. I don't mind the ones that have got a slight flavour to them, but mm, the that's... pure green tea is I'm still trying to work on. It's oh. flavoured grass. Flavoured grass. Flavour on grass. It's flavoured grass. I, just... I, I tell you what, we, we should do a taste test and I will make you some okay. grass in a cup <laughs> and some green tea and we'll see if you can tell the difference. New Year challenge. Here we yes. go. <laughs> it's like the uh, it's like the um, Bush Tucker trial. That's what that's all about. <laughs> I'll take that. And what what are you drinking today then? That's so um, not green tea. Well, it's so not green tea. It's so bird and blend strawberry lemonade. <laughs> oh, okay. Nice, nice fresh nice. tea. Yeah, yeah. I do find it difficult to get the whole strawberry lemonade essence of it yeah. the strawberry part strawberry but no lemonade yeah I, it's very much strawberry it, it tastes like flat squash if that makes sense oh, the okay. squash is flat that makes no sense at all you know what i mean flat lemonade yeah well yeah but strawberry lemonade okay i've just made my point what are you drinking <laughs> um i am drinking because it's cold and wet and rainy outside i'm drinking shibui african winter tea and if you haven't heard of Shibui Tea, we're not sponsored by them, by the way, just just I'll throw that out there. But they are a lovely company and it's run by a guy called John and it's family business. And they're based in Edinburgh and they have so many nice teas Aww. and they send all their teas out in like nice recycled packaging and stuff. And it's like it's really nice. This one um, tastes. My husband says it smells like the inside of a sauna, not the sweaty bit, the like the wood, <laughs> the wood part of it. <laughs> just to clarify just to clarify yeah i don't want that tea john i don't want that tea yeah anyway sorry about that john um (laughs) vicky quick take over right well we're joined today by katie smith absolutely fantastic human being um katie is a well-being and self-development coach for parents and is an adoptive parent support specialist um she established the incredibly powerful adoptive parent circle Um, after her own experiences and seeing the hit and miss support that was out there. Um, Katie provides space and support for adoptive parents to talk about their parenting lives, sharing tips, suggestions, and just to know that they're not alone. Um, So welcome, Katie, and thank you so much for joining us and you're doing such important and amazing work out there. Um, Please begin and tell tell us your story. 
Oh, it's so lovely to be here and chatting to you both as well. Thank you for having me on. Um, so yeah, and thank you for the really nice introduction as well. Um, so yeah, so I guess my story, um, it goes back quite a while. If I, if I was to start from the beginning, um, I, I was thinking about this um, last night. I was like, how far back does my story go? And I guess it goes back to when I met, met my husband um which was in 2000 and um we got married four years later um and like I guess most people expecting to start a family soon after getting married um but didn't work out that way um so I think it was around it was about seven years I think in all of trying to fall pregnant naturally, um, three rounds of IVF. And after that, it was like, okay, we knew that was all we were gonna do. That was all we were gonna put ourselves through because it's quite an emotional, it takes quite an emotional toll going through IVF. Um, and we knew our next step, we talked about it and it would be um, adoption. And we knew we had people in our family that had adopted as well. so we were familiar with it um so i guess from there on we 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 had about a year i think after our last fertility treatment um and then we went to an open evening to find out more about adoption and it was from there really we came away and shortly after that probably a few months later um we were allocated a social worker and we started the process and um, I think we started the process, it was towards the end of the year and um, we got placed with our, who's now our eldest child, who's now nine. The process took about nine months, ironically. And then, so yeah, so then he, he was placed with us about nine months later. Um, and he was uh, three months at the time when he came to live with us. So yeah, in a, in a sort of a, a speedy nutshell, that's my my story in a way. <laughs> and you've got you've got two children now, haven't you? I do. Yeah, we do. So um, after we adopted our eldest, um, we always knew we wanted two. Um, we went back, and the process was a bit longer the second time. I think it was about probably eighteen months, something like that. And then we were played with our second son um, just before Christmas um, in six. So, yeah, so we've been through the process twice. Yeah. You talk, you talk about the process. For people that haven't been through it, um, yeah. what, what is the process? Because I think a lot of people have seen the dramatizations of it on, you know, TV shows and things like that. But what does it actually entail if you want to adopt a child? So going on from going to an um, like an information event, you then um, express interest and you get allocated a social worker who will then come to your house. I think it, it seems all a bit of a blur now, but I think it was around every other week they would come. And basically they're compiling a report on you and you as a couple. Um, and they go it, it feels a little bit like therapy in a way because they go really deep into you know your childhood and what you went through and your history 
um, and what you're like as a person, what you're like as a couple, and all this information all gets pulled together in a report, which is basically all about you and all about you as a couple, which goes off to um, what we call a panel, um, which is a panel of 12 people that we went to sit in front of after we'd had our report compiled to see whether we were suitable to be adoptive parents and then we they would ask us lots of questions um and about us and why we wanted to adopt and yeah it's quite it was quite scary really because you sat in front of all these people who were going to make a decision on whether you were going to become adoptive parents and then you had to leave the room and wait for the answer and then um, your social worker would come back and give you the answer. You just sat there, you know, hoping and praying that you've said all the right things. And obviously we did both times. Um, and then that's just the start, really, because once you're approved, then it's the waiting to be matched with a child as well. Um, and that can take anything from a few months to a few years, really. Um, and then when you do get matched with a child, um prior to that actually you do get interviewed by that child social worker and they might be visiting other families at the same time so you don't know whether they're going to choose you to be matched with the child either but when you are matched you go back to another panel where you sit in front of another 12 people and they um ask you questions why you're a good match for this child and again you wait for that decision to see whether they approve and Obviously, they did again the second time. So, yeah, so that that is the process. That was the process that we went through. And we went through our uh, local authority when we went through the process. But you can go through like independent um, charities as well. There's lots of different ways that you can adopt. Yeah. It sounds like it's, I mean, as you said, with your second, you were waiting 18 months. And it yeah. just sounds like it can be a, a long and very emotional journey yeah. even before you've you've had the child come to you yeah. is that what you experienced you know what what were the challenges what was the emotional roller coaster like in in that build-up I think it's always about you know is it going to happen soon or how much longer do we have to wait um you know because it, it all depends obviously on what children are waiting to be um placed for adoption and um usually what what happened with us was we were waiting for, for a phone call from the social worker to say you know we've we've had this child who we think you'd be a good match for um which is what happened with our eldest um so yeah it is and i think you just you just have to try and get on with everyday life and try and park it a little bit because i think if you're just constantly focusing on that it can be quite hard and I know talking, I got, I know some people now who are in that waiting phase and they're finding it hard. It, you know, it's just how, I don't know how long this process is. And I was just asking them actually, what support is there for them at the moment for you? And I'm not sure there actually, there is a lot of support. And thinking back, there wasn't probably a great deal of support for, for us either. Mm. So I'm, I'm wondering what support can be put in place for people who are waiting. And only yesterday I was contacted by somebody 
um, who've been approved as adopters and they're looking for some support. And I'm, you know, I'm like, what can I, how can I support you? So there's lots, um, as I'm speaking more about adoption and talking to more and more people, there is definitely a need for support at different stages of the process. Yeah. You're mute, Katie. Look at me, just chatting away there. I was like, I'm mute, I'm mute, I'm mute. Can you see me? Um, I suppose because this is part of our parenthood series and we're talking to lots of different people about the ways that they become parents, because it's not always the you know so-called traditional route and nothing's uh, a given, is it, in, in becoming a parent at all in any in any route, IVF or traditional, you know, anything. But what is the... I suppose for, for someone on the outside looking in, how does it work in terms of choosing a child? Because, you know, obviously you don't sit there with a big book and say, I want that one. But do do you express, you know, if you want the child to look like you or if you're, you know, open to any child at all or a specific age range or, you know, how does it work? Yeah, yeah. Um, good question. Um it's yeah it's it's a when you when you go through the process with your social worker in terms of you know pulling together the report all about you and the type of children or child that you're looking for you can specify age ranges so Mm -hmm. you can say you know between zero and three or you know three and six or whatever um they will likely ask you, are you prepared to take a child um, with a disability, for example, like a physical disability? Um, and then, you know, you've got to think practically as well about your house and what you can and can't, you know, um, cope with, I guess, in a way. And so it's more around that, really. Um, and I guess you could say you wanted a boy or a girl, but it's sort of the more specific you get, I guess that narrows that down and then that could take longer yeah. for a child to be placed with you. Um, so, yeah, it's not so much a tick list, but they would ask you questions around the type of child and the age that you would be looking for. So there's some, there is a, a degree to it, yeah. And do you get as well information about their background, you know, the the parents' background, where they're coming from and what the situation is? You do. You get, um, you, when, when we were adopting, you got like a paragraph about the child and, um, you, a picture. And then if you feel drawn or there's some um connection with what you've read then you can ask for a full report on that child to read a bit more about that child um with our eldest we just got told on the telephone about about him didn't see anything didn't read anything and I instantly I think you you get a gut feel sometimes and instantly I was like yes <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah and um so yeah sometimes it's a bit different um and I think these days the process has changed again Mm -hmm. but I'm not fully up to speed with 
how that is. I've, I've, my understanding is it is online. Right. And you have a login to this specific, I guess, I don't, I don't like the word database, but it's like a programme where, where there's lots of children's details on there. Uh, I have a feeling that might be nationwide. Um, so if you went through your local council, the children, they're likely to place children within you know, within that local council, yeah. where if you went with a private um, agency, they might be more national. So again, right. that affects, yeah. And when you say an agency, is that a private organisation that does like that? Charities like, um, um, there's, there's like Action for Children, you know, like charities, like um, Bernardo's, that sort of thing. Right. So they they place children as well. Okay. Um, so, and I think there are private agencies as well, but I don't know because we didn't go down that route. So we were just, we went with our local council. Yeah. I'd love to ask about your experience after your first adoption, if that's okay, just to kind of, understand because following on from what you were saying before about the lack of support there um I can't imagine going through all of that time and then suddenly yep we, we, here's your, you know here's a child and you you come home and you're oh what what now what do, what do I do would you mind talking us through your your I know because it's a bit of a shock going from not you know not having a child to suddenly yeah. you know, here's a child um as it probably is for most parents um well similar some similar support um, as if you, you know, if you've had your own children, um, you know, naturally. Um, so we had a health visitor come around because I think that was mainly because he was a baby and it was doing all those checks still at that early stage. Um, but we also had his social worker used to come over um, for a few months actually just to check in make sure you know everything's okay um, we we didn't need any more support I mean it would be there if we did want it so we had that connection um, and then after that it's you get on with your life like you would do normally and you know I was throwing myself into groups you know like baby groups I was like where are all you know how do I meet people because it's you know I didn't I, I didn't go to obviously like an NCT or anything like that and I was like okay so where where do I go and there was a children's centre at the time and a lot of them have shut down now um, especially around where we live and I met um, a lovely bunch of mums there through doing baby massage and uh, and then yeah just went and just did lots of groups because I wanted to be out and meeting people so that and those people are still within my life now and still friends so they are part of my support network mm -hmm. um but there is support if you need it afterwards with adoption you can ring up the post-adoption um duty manager and they will assign you a social worker if you're needing you need that extra support and they'll have a do an assessment with you and find out what that need is um but yeah I just we just got on with it really and uh yeah it was uh amazing it completely changed our lives like it does when you have a child and uh yeah it was brilliant <laughs> what 
what are the cooks? So obviously when you had your little one and, you know, you started to go to these baby massage groups and, you know, I, I was a part of those groups as well. And you kind mm-hmm. of talk about how tired you are and everything. Yeah. Were there moments that obviously because, you know, we all have babies differently through natural means or others, did the adoption come up in those conversations? And, you know, I guess where I'm going to, what are the most commonly asked yeah. questions around? Yeah. That's a really good, good question because, yes, it obviously does. And I, I approach it in different ways, I guess. Um, I think back in the early days, I from the out, I just said, you know, I'm an adoptive mum and this is, you know, my son. And I just wanted to put it out there because um, obviously when babies are that young, as you were saying, you start talking about, you know, pregnancy and giving birth and breast and all that. And I just didn't want to feel that uncomfortable feeling. So I just, yeah, I just put it out there straight away. And, um, you know, even now, it depends who I'm with and what, how the conversation is flowing, whether it comes up. I think as the children have got older and we're moving away from that sort of baby toddler age, it doesn't come up so much in conversations. Um, sometimes, you know, I might be with a group of women and they might start talking about, you know, when they were pregnant or when they were giving birth and that. Sometimes I can feel a bit uncomfortable if they don't know my story um so there are sometimes elements of that that come in um yeah so that must have been difficult I guess being in a group scenario and if people don't know I always find that if I'm in a situation and people don't know my personal experience I always feel like I've got to put it out there to sort of head that off at the past I guess that's what you're kind of talking about there yeah yeah yes yes in a way yeah I think it it makes me it makes me uh, I guess more quickly feel comfortable in having those conversations and um yeah and I mean some of the conversations that I've had are like recently actually oh your two your two boys don't really look alike do they or they're a bit like chalk and cheese and and because they don't know they don't know our situation and it might be just like a passing comment and I'm like do I do I go down the route of explaining or do I just nod and agree for now or what you know and if it's if it's busy and it's like a fleeting thing I'll just sort of like nod and yeah (laughs) not go into detail so it depends on the situation really and um yeah and I think sometimes I get a feeling that other people can feel uncomfortable if they've said something then I've said well actually my children are adopted and they might backtrack a little about what they might have said for example or yeah it's interesting and um I think it just depends on the situation and who you're with and the people that you're talking to and who you're going to open up to yeah it sounds like you've had to build some resilience um because obviously those and it obviously depending on how sensitive you're feeling at the time or sensitive you're you know if people say things like you know you're too kids don't look like each other or they don't look like you 
Yeah. And on any given day, you might think, oh, ah, gut punch. Okay. But it sounds like you've had to build that resilience right from day one with the baby groups and so on. And I, I guess I'm just wondering, is, is that part of what influenced you in looking at the world of adoptive parents? Because that's something that I guess I had never con- considered that, that that's what would happen. Yeah, I think you can... You can pretend that, I guess, I don't know if pretend is the right word, but that you are like other parents, but actually you're not. A lot of ways you are, but obviously how you came to become a parent is a completely different way to other people. And it brings with it its own joys and delights, but also its own challenges too. And um, with a lot of adoptive families, there's a tendency that they need a lot more support um and a lot of children who may have come into adoption a bit older may have been through different you know like different foster carers or the care system and that is all going to have an impact at some point on the children and how that comes out in behavior as well so there is a definite need for support for adoptive parents and there is like ongoing training throughout my local authority and I've attended those sessions on therapeutic parenting um, life story work. So talking about their life story. So there's lots of different elements that come into it, which I don't think people who aren't adoptive parents appreciate. Hence, we're talking about it today. Um, and you do, you do have to build up that resilience because at times, it can be tough and what I was finding was that actually there wasn't any support groups around there's a there was support um for the children quite a lot of you know come along to afternoons where we can play and do craft activities etc um and lots of support for them but not so much for the parents so hence I set up an adoptive parent circle to provide well-being support really and for a chance for people to talk to each other because that's key I mean people were saying that was gold dust at our last meeting and just being able to chat to other adopters about what's going on in your life and what challenges you have and sharing advice and sharing you know resources and tips and and also being able to just sort of ground yourself for for two hours and just it's just for you you're just there with the people who understand and who get it yeah I think it's it's crazy that there wasn't that network in place when you think about how many people foster and adopt across the country that not that network not to already exist is seems crazy but you talked there about um, an opportunity for people to talk about challenges and of course every parent experiences challenges throughout their parenthood um what do you feel is the most challenging for you as an adoptive parent now and as your children grow? I think it's um, sometimes it's difficult to know whether, you know, as children, what your in terms of, say, behaviour, is it developmental behaviour, which every child goes through, or is it associated with adoption? And you'll never know. You can't really unpick it. And um, 
I think as they grow, um, I was thinking about this and we had some adopters who came to our last circle and they had teenagers who were nearly adults and the teenage years, and I mean the teenage years generally are tough, aren't they? You know, if you think back to when I was a teenager and you just want to be pushing them boundaries, don't you? And seeing what you can get away with and, you know, all of that. And so at the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, it's not that long away, the teenage years. I wonder what that's going to bring. Um, so, yeah, so that's going to be interesting times, I think. Um, yeah, the teenage years. <laughs> I think a lot of stuff can come up in the teenage years as well for adopted children. And they might start thinking more about um, like their identity and um maybe their birth family and that can all sort of tend to to arise as they get older as well so it's around supporting them with that and what that might mean to them yeah I guess it's every adoptive parent's choice as to whether they decide to tell their children and at what point they're adopted but is there much guidance given on that and sort of how if you if you want to tell your children they are adopted how to go about doing that because I can imagine that's you know the the minefield of well when do I do it and what age should they be and how do I do it you know it seems I I mean I can't even I can't even imagine it so is there a lot of support around that side of it yeah so um generally I mean these days and it might have been different like several decades ago um but children know they're adopted from the outset really I mean especially if they're adopted when they're older but even when they're adopted as babies it's all always part of their story so it's not it's not like the one day you decide that you tell them that they are adopted they've always known that that is part of their life that's what they know um and we talk about when our children came to live with us and we have a little, um, like we, for both of them, we've got a photograph picture book, which tells the story of when they moved in with us. And, um, you know, this is the day you moved in and this is your room and this is the cats. And, you know, it was the story. And um, they've both got that and they both love looking at that. So, and we, you know, we talk about it. And um, my eldest, he does see um well we all do we all see his birth siblings um who are adopted and we meet up with them three times a year and get on really well so it's it's just a way of life it's just it is what it is yeah it's quite nice I like that thought of um your son meeting up with his birth siblings because like you said there's a question when they're in their teenagers or even you know a little bit older about identity you know where did I come from because some people feel more kind of, um, what's the word, more themselves if they know the history completely and then they can move on. So I think that's a really nice thing to have that, you know, you're not on your own. You weren't, you know, abandoned or anything like that. It's, you have birth siblings around you. You you belong and, you know, I'm your mum, he's your dad. It's We're part of a family. Yeah, and it's like having an extended family. Yeah. So, yeah, and, you know, we get on really well. And and again, that when we talked about support, that's a support network as well. Yeah. So Because we, we've obviously got shared 
um, interests with the children so we can share what's going on in each other's lives and share tips and advice as well which is really good yeah I love that it seems like the all throughout this series we've talked about different ways of people becoming parents and we um talk to uh, Gina who is a surrogate and she talks about the family that she's um, had two surrogate babies for and how they're an extension of her family now Mm -hmm. and I just think all of these stories of extended families and however they've come together is just so lovely yeah yeah no it is it is and it's you know these are the great things that come from adoption you know your your family grows in that way which which can be really lovely yeah what do you what do you wish you'd known going into the adoptive process is there anything that you look back and think god that you know I wish I'd prepared myself for that because like Vicky said when you came home you know all of a sudden you're finding out you're getting a baby you know it's like wow um so it's a lot there's a lot to take in so how did you prepare yourself for that and is there things that you wish you'd known going into the process that you'd kind of sort of say to other people actually if you are considering that this yeah. is what you need to look out for well part of the build-up to the process in terms of um I guess I guess they call it part of the yeah part of the process part of the training you had to demonstrate that you'd had experience of um, looking after children or being around children. So um, I I had to do a stint um, or I chose to do a stint um, in a school, in a nursery for a week and uh, got some experience there of being around young children um, and babysitting so all all you know if you can get as much experience as you can and, and also I talked to friends who had babies and I was just like what do I need to know what do I need to buy what what do I do <laughs> I had no idea and I was getting all these tips about the best types of push chairs to buy and you know all the practical stuff um, but I think if anyone is thinking about going through the process I would say definitely, you know, go to if there's an open evening or an open day where you can find out more, definitely go to that um, in your local area. But also talk to people who have adopted and just get a feel for it and what it's like. And, you know, people will have different experiences so they can share all those different experiences with you. And it's just getting a really clear picture of what adoption is and what it isn't really um so I think that's really valuable and we spoke to people that had adopted before we went down that route we spoke to several people you know one was an international adoption um and so we had a chat with them and another was through like um, a local charity they adopted and we had conversations about that because you don't know what the process involves so talking to other adopters you can get a real feel for okay this is what happens you get asked these sorts of questions and this happens and then you you know like I was saying you go to panel you go through all this and I just think yeah talking to people and um I was I was going to say as well if anybody listening to this would like to talk more about the process and I'm more than happy to um talk to them as well I just think the more support and the more knowledge you have then the more informed you are and you know to make those right decisions for you and for your future family as well what you want and what you don't want yeah 
following on from what we're saying about the support uh, in place and obviously you've you've created a such an a invaluable network for other adoptive parents you know myself and Katie are learning a lot about adoption just talking to you mm. and I, I guess my question is around businesses organization and em- employers because the process is just a real roller coaster and it's long you know you have to have the time out to go to these interviews to go to these panels to prepare as you mm. said get that experience under your belt do you think employers are equipped enough to support parents going through the adoption process perhaps a loaded question but it's kind of do you think there needs to be more awareness for employers um yes I I would say so so going on my experience um I don't think they had much um were definitely you know my line manager and um HR had that much experience of dealing with adoption and adoptive leave and I mean the, the leave is the same as it would be you know parental leave you know maternity leave but you know as you were saying there Vicky it's like you have got you know sometimes you have to do things quite quickly or um, you know like I was talking about getting some work experience you know in the, in the school or having to do um, you know further training because actually as part of becoming a doctor I didn't mention this but there is training to go on and learning about um, uh, you know like attachment and behavior and there's lots of stuff that you need to go through and I think for me um, it was well do I take that as holiday or do I take that as something else and they weren't sure and I think it came down to the line manager's discretion really um and yeah it was you know always waiting on a bit of an answer there um so yeah I think it could be clearer and I think if employers knew more about the process then they'd be able to put in place those guidelines so it wasn't a bit hit and miss or yeah you can do that or mm, maybe not or yes I think you're right there yeah yeah you're on mute again katie <laughs> sorry i'm trying to deal with a teething child and i don't want sorry. i don't want him to <laughs> shout over the microphone um it's crazy isn't it because i think so you talk about all the training and stuff that you mm. went through and mm. all the checks that you had to have and everything yeah. the world would be a much better place for children if actual parents had to do that in the first place like when they had their children, never mind how you do it to make sure that you're suitable parents anyway, because, you know, no one, no one else has to do that, do they? No one else has to make sure they know this or make sure I'd never looked after a child. I've got yeah. no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm trying. It's a, it's a learn by doing, but you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just parenting seems... 101, winging it, <laughs> just winging it. <laughs> Literally. I think what you're doing with the uh, support network sounds invaluable because I can imagine as well as everything that comes with parenting, you know, the physicality of it and Mm. looking and raising a child is the emotional um, Mm. and mental sort of side of things. Mm. Is is that quite intense as well? Because I guess you've you're facing a lot more challenges that you might not get otherwise. Yeah, I think it's quite, yeah, you can be up and down and depending what's, you know, presenting at the time and with children, things never stay the same, you know, things move on and you think you might hit a bit of a a rocky patch and then that moves on. 
and I think you know especially for times like that you, you know that support is really important and knowing as well who to turn to who might be able to help you like professionally wise as well and um, as part of my support circle I am bringing in guest experts um, every month on different areas um, to do well-being and you know like this this professional support might benefit you and it's not if you don't know what's out there then you, you just you don't know do you it's, you don't know what you don't know I think is what I'm trying to say so I'm sort of building a network and my, my own network to um, find out what is out there which might be a bit different but might be really helpful um, so yeah I'm really I'm really excited actually to see what I can bring to this to this um, circle and support other parents and I think it's going to be a godsend for people who don't know enough about adoption to have it as a as an option or a consideration because as you said people particularly me and Katie at the beginning of this were unaware of what the process was what it looked like what it felt like you know the, the kind of challenges and so I think with these circles and making the awareness out there that you, there is support out there, there are adoptive parents out there you can talk to. It's a viable and, and very good option for, for building and having a family. Yeah. Uh, whereas before, people probably wouldn't have considered it because the information isn't out there enough. Yeah, definitely. And I think with, um, you know, I said, I, went with, I, can't, I can't get my words out anymore. <laughs> with the local authority um and then that all changed how that operated and um a lot of what they used to offer you know they don't offer it anymore and and even then I don't really recall a a specific support you know group for parents um so people are, are tending to sort of see there is a need and setting up you know support networks themselves um but yeah, it would be great if it was offered. Um, but yeah, so well, I've decided to do it myself because I obviously saw that need, and uh, and people are just yeah. Where's it been? <laughs> what are the most frequent things that are coming up in that group as uh, adoptive parents are finding difficult? Um, there's a lot around schools and the support that they get in schools because that can vary um and it's talking you know there's discussions around um which schools are good for um special educational needs if that isn't if that is something that your child needs um because that can be hit and miss so we're talking around that talking around um behavior um maybe if children have got difficulty sleeping it's like what tips can you share with that um a a vast variety really because the children are all at different ages Mm -hmm. so it's you know and one one um adopter hadn't even met any other adopters and she'd adopted I think uh just over a year ago and it's you know you need that network around you and so she was you know really grateful that she'd found our group can't imagine how isolating that must have felt as well because yeah yeah parenting parenting groups I've found are just invaluable any Mm. sort of parenting groups and I can understand why different people in different scenarios need their own 
tribe if you like but just having people that get you and they can say oh my god do you know what you're not the only one that experiences that it's like that being seen and being validated it just means so much doesn't it especially because parenting is such an emotional roller coaster anyway yeah no definitely and that reassurance like you know like you were just saying there Katie it's like I'm not on my own you're going through a similar thing oh my gosh you know I'm not I'm not in it on my own now so and then you have those conversations and what's working for you or do you know can I help you with this yeah completely yeah it is so valuable plenty of cups of tea and biscuits I'd imagine yeah (laughs) yeah and cake (laughs) always cake (laughs) so I guess the next question is obviously the the later on in life for the adopted kids and what challenges that brings because obviously as kids get older and they turn into adults perhaps I, I don't know does the adoption identity come back is that what, what kind of challenges are you foreseeing when there becomes a real identity awareness and that, yeah. that wanting to look at where they've come from I think, you know, as I was saying before, it's probably around as they, you know, as you hit like puberty and, you know, lots of emotions and lots going on, isn't it, as a, as a teenager. I think that's probably when things might start to to arise. Um, but it's about, you know, being there, being supportive, being, you know, listening and just, yeah, just being there and being empathetic as well with your children um you don't know you can't really tell who 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 does know how that's going to pan out in the future and what's going to come up um and yeah I think it's just you just take it one day at a time and just see what comes with it and you do your best as a parent like we all do and yeah it's just it's a constant journey isn't it parenting what however you become a parent and you're yeah. always twisting and you know realigning learning and yeah it's the same it's the same um but yeah I think yeah it's just one day at a time and just see what comes up and seek support as and when you need it and how are you kind of so you've talked about kind of as as they grow and they have questions and you're going to be there so how are you going to look after yourself you know throwing a coaching (laughs) question back at you how how are you preparing yourself as an adoptive parent to deal with potentially yeah. hurtful or sensitive questions or that you know yeah I think um a lot of that is I do a lot of reading actually I read a lot of um books around other people's journeys as well as adoptive parents and the sort of things that have come up for them or what might have worked for them and also um you know I know adopters that are further down that journey so I can ask them, you know, what what what's working for you? But I think it's you know, well-being is key, isn't it? And it's about looking after ourselves and you know, not beating ourselves up if we get something wrong. And there's a lot of mindset work there, isn't there? And you know, um, and yeah, and just just yeah, taking time for yourself. I think that's key. Because we're as parents, and especially as women, we don't have our needs at the top of that list. And, you know, invariably at the bottom, because we feel like we've got to do everything and juggle everything. And it's about taking that time to do stuff you enjoy. And this is, you know, I, this is what I, 
I coach other women to do, other, other parents, other mums. It's about doing what you enjoy, taking that time for yourself. Because if you're not, you know, if you're not at your best, you're not going to be at your best for your children. And you don't want to be snapping at them or shouting at them. And that all goes against um, therapeutic parenting, which is what we do with adoptive children anyway. So, um, yeah, it's about putting your needs first mm. and making sure you're topped up. You know, that old analogy, isn't it? Putting your, putting your um, oxygen mask on first Absolutely. when the airplane's going down. <laughs> yeah. You, you've talked there very briefly about um, therapeutic parenting with adoptive children. Can you talk a little mm. bit more about that? Is that a specific style of parenting that's kind of guided and advised for with adoptive children? Yeah, so um, it's touched on in the training when you um, do the adoption training before before you're placed with a child. Um, and I've I've recently gone through another ten week course on therapeutic parenting. Um, I'm coming to my last week next week, just to sort of refresh myself and make sure that we're doing what we should be doing. And it's around. Um, because a lot of your parenting skills you you take on from your own parents so you you might see similarities with how you parent now to how you know you were parented and then how your parents were parented and it sort of passed down the generations and with therapeutic parenting it's not so much about um, you know like telling them where they might have done something wrong or um in that traditional sense it's more about um it's about regulating the child first so if they're upset or if they're having a hard time or they're just they're just dysregulated basically the idea is that you regulate them first so calm them down calm the nervous system down it might be like sitting them on your lap giving them a cuddle and just just regulating them again so they're in that safe space they know they're safe and then perhaps then you might have a conversation about what's happened but it's all about you know getting them you know regulated again because with some adopted children they can get quite dysregulated and certain you know like neural pathways in the brain could be connected slightly differently and there's a lot of science behind it and a lot of neuroscience um, and a lot of work done around it so yeah it's basically it's not it's not um traditional parenting and it's quite conscious parenting you're always conscious about what you're going to maybe say next or you know maybe if i say that how they're going to react or it's, if you feel yourself you know sometimes you can be pushed can't you if you're trying to get out the door and they're not listening to you and they're not putting the shoes on and all that sort of thing it's like whoa hang on I'm not I feel like shouting but I'm not going to shout because that's going to make it a hundred times worse <clears throat> which it might do anyway with any child but it's about pulling back and just going back to now what should I be doing in this situation to keep it calm and get them to do what they need to do so yeah there's a lot there's a lot of um information on it it could be a whole different topic <laughs> yeah that's that sounds quite um so obviously you go along to the courses and you learn about therapeutic parenting and I imagine the first time you put it in practice you're thinking oh my word this is really nerve-wracking is this gonna work and I guess it all comes with practice but yeah, I don't know. I guess. Do you feel like there is so there's a lot of uh, worry and fear that not you're going to get it wrong because I think as parents we always feel like that anyway. But 
there are so many things that you've got to check and make sure and be conscious of that it just becomes quite almost consuming I think if you think too much about it it can yeah but I think if you you know the principles and you start putting some of those in place Mm. and this they start to become natural so that is how you will you know parent um and yeah it is a different way I guess to parenting and I, and you know we often catch ourselves when no one's perfect you know and there are times when you do get to the end of your tether and you're like you know shouting just to get something done and that actually does have the effect that is not therapeutic parenting I would start <laughs> but yeah it's about yeah doing everything a bit more consciously and in a way it's um it's commenting on what they're doing as well um, and commenting on if they're upset you know I see that you're you're feeling upset at the moment or you're feeling a bit sad I wonder why that might be I'm curious to know why x y and z so a bit of like coaching does come into it in a way because sort of coaching questions there's a lot of curiosity a lot of wonder why might this be happening there must be an underlying reason why this behavior is showing and it's about getting to that underlying reason rather than focusing on that behavior because mm. something has triggered that behavior yeah so yeah it is it's work in progress like anything um, but it's just having that consciousness that this is what yeah. I need to be doing yeah I think every, every parent's a work in progress aren't they oh yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh Katie we love to offer the um uh, all our guests something called the final sip which is your opportunity to put out there on this platform what you want people to know about adopting what you feel is key information to take away from this and uh, the floor is yours for the final sip <laughs> Thank you. Well, I would just say that um, adoption can be a wonderful experience. And it has, you know, we've got two gorgeous boys from the adoption experience. But I would say to people, you know, go go into the process with your eyes open, wide open, and gather as much information as you can um, from other adopters, from open evenings. And, you know, it's, it's an incredible way incredible way to make your family and uh yeah so if you if you're thinking about it just go and investigate more and yeah just go for it and we're going to put your details on our website if that's all right with you um, so that people can get in touch maybe ask any questions but also it'll be good for adoptive parents to uh, find your your wellness circle Mm. as well and support group so thank you so much for coming and sharing your yeah, story it's been you. fantastic and I've I've learned a lot yeah definitely definitely yeah <laughs> well, thank, thank you ever so much Katie no thank you for having me on thank you oh, thank you um we could do this all day could we, we? Could do that well, thank you thank, thank you, you. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you Katie and thank you everyone for listening um if you have liked what you've heard today please don't forget to check out the back catalogue um we have a whole year's worth of episodes lots of quick brews and strong tea so please check them out and if you like even more what you're hearing, please check out our website and see our support us page where you can buy us a tea or a coffee. Uh, but for now, we will say goodbye and we will see you again on the next episode. So thank you ever so much, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.